as it has been, is over. That phase was on fun. Let's be ready for anything. Is this episode 10 yet? This is episode 10. We made it to double digit episodes. Milestone. Can I tell you, Charlie, that when I turned 10 years old, I went through a brief period of mourning that I was never going to be a single digit age again for the rest of my life. And like, I took it kind of hard. I was like, oh no, I'm 10. It's double digits till death. Like, that's how I felt. <laughs> and then I thought, what if I made it to triple digits? And that gave me the thread of hope to then continue forward with my birthday. Point being, I don't feel nearly as depressed about our 10th episode as I did my 10th birthday. Okay. I feel, in fact, ecstatic about it. Okay, me too. Do you think we're going to make it to 100? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just try to make it to 11. <laughs> Perfect. Challenge accepted. <laughs> uh, welcome to Set Phasers to Fun, everybody. Welcome to our 10th episode of Set Phasers. Who knew we had 10 episodes worth of things to talk about? I didn't. Well, I guess I'm speaking a little too soon because this is the beginning of the 10th. The rest of this episode could just be like silence and us, you know, clearing our throats every once in a while. Let's not do that. Let's save that for our concept episode. Like, that's our 100th episode. That's what we should aim for. If we make it to 100 episodes, that episode should just be like us clearing our throats and thinking deep thoughts. I love it. Concept, high concept. I like a concept episode. Who doesn't? I know this is all very confusing to you, so I'll attempt to explain. One of the fans of the week, Jenna, writes in. Uh, she is through season one, episode 24. Um, now, Jenna is the one who has never watched the show and has started watching it since listening to this podcast. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, so now she has gone through episode 24. Right. Congrats, Jenna. Oh, she just watched the one about where they go to Paris. Uh, Jenna says, uh, I'm through season one, episode 24. So far, the words I'd use are amusing and entertaining. I trust the quality and content gets better. She's a trusting soul. <laughs> she is. She is. I'll tell you what, Jenna, if you're listening, uh, see if you can make it through to season two, episode nine, which is called The Measure of a Man. For me, this is when the show kicks into high gear. It's an episode where Picard has to argue in a court of law that Data is a sentient being. Yeah. And not just, not, he's a person, not a thing. And for me, you get some courtroom action. You get Patrick Stewart being all like, is he not a man? That's when it's like, oh, this is a show for real. I like that one. Uh, then the I think the kind of the nadir of the show is the last episode of season two called Shades of Grey, where Riker gets the sad disease. Where if he thinks bad thoughts, the virus kills him. So uh, Pulaski like scans his. Oh. It's the worst thing. It's like a clip show. Yes. It's like the worst conceived clip show of all time. That is the worst <laughs> episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, hands down. That's even worse than the Piscopo episode. Oh the yeah, flashback absolutely. season two finale is the worst. <laughs> episode. First of all, you can't have a flashback episode so early in your run. A flashback episode better be earned. Like, we better have forgotten the episodes you're flashing back to in order for it to have any joy whatsoever. You can't flash back to last week's episode. 
Judge Stone from, is the only joke-telling magician who consistently got laid in the history of the world. Like, he was a sexy <laughs> judge who also did magic. That's not a sentence that gets spoken very often. That's true. He was also a fictional character. <laughs> Jenna also says, have you guys seen Jim Cotta? It's horrid, but you must see it. Seen some conspiracy, remind me of that movie. Now, I have seen Jim Cotta. I do love terrible movies, and it is, it's, if, if you don't know Jim Cotta, it is, it stars an Olympian male gymnast who is uh, recruited by the government to go fight uh, people on an island, I think, uh, using his new martial art called Jim Cotta, which is, it's, <laughs> for him to be able to do it, uh, there needs to be something in a town square resembling a pommel horse. He can't. Or gym bars. He's got to have implements to be able to to uh, to fight in his new martial art. He can't just do it. There's no floor exercise, I guess. But that would be like that's one of the silliest martial arts uh, bases I can think of. Um, but I know exactly what she's talking about because they have all the the bad stunt work, all the stunt works with Riker fighting the, the old man, the guy in the silver wig. Uh, what if? What if you could do kick-ass martial arts, but only if your opponent was wearing oven mitts? Like, you would have to be like, you'd be like, no, put these on. No, for real. Put on these um, shark-themed oven mitts that look like a shark puppet. It'd be called Cook Fu. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and, then, and then you could be like, Tongs for playing, but no tongs. <laughs> <laughs> With a saxophone solo. To cling on fear death as much as humans, I could snap your neck in a second, but it wouldn't be as much fun. I want to send a shout out to Josh, a unique exemplar. He's already listened to the, the last episode number nine, which went live about 40 minutes ago. <laughs> so he must be tweeting it in real time, which is awesome. So thanks, Josh. Um, what does Josh say? He gives us a you know a general plug. He plugs the show. Then he says, wasn't Beverly in charge of Starfleet Medical during season two? I submit that's all she needed to be labeled the best. That's true. It's true. Point. That's 100% true. Good point, Josh. Uh, uh, and then he says, but Wesley, I can't think of anything that wasn't mentioned in the episode. So we could, he says we did a good job covering Wes. A thorough examination of how awful Wesley Crusher is. Yeah. We'll nice think, nice job, us. We'll probably think of some more awful things to say about him <laughs> as our podcast barrels toward episode 100. <laughs> uh, and then he said, hate him or love him, TNG would be too different without Wesley. Which, yeah. Sure. It would be. But you know, every mill needs a little grist. I submit that Pulaski is the best thing to happen in season two, simply because it gave everybody a unifying a, a point of unity. Sure. <laughs> which, which then you could, like plant our javelin or pole vault or whatever you use, the big stick, I don't know sports, but you stick the stick in the ground and then you jump over the big tall hurdle thing. Yeah. That stick is Pulaski and the hurdler is us. <laughs> and the thing we're hurdling over is the space between season two and season three. Like, we all got to get to season three and we're unified with our disdain for Pulaski. It's great. If you have a chance, there's a podcast called Nerdist Writers Panel, moderated by Ben Blacker. They just interviewed Brandon Braga, 
where he talked about the show. And the thing, what he said, like, you know, he runs, I think he runs Salem right now. And he's like, we do 13 episodes. That nearly kills me. We did 26 episodes of Star Trek uh, per season. It's crazy. It's crazy how much content they pumped out. And here we are nitpicking our little stupid things. But they were a machine. <laughs> yeah, they were incredible. That's the And that's like understanding that like your parents and grandparents are way tougher than you will ever be. It's the same kind of thing. Here, you and I are patting ourselves on the back that we've made our 10th podcast episode. We're like, we can't believe we made it to 10. <laughs> and meanwhile, Grandpa Star Trek has been like, I walked to school uphill both ways in the snow. If you just put down your Game Boys, maybe you could toughen up. Like, it's that. What's happening? Um, I'm queen of the metaphors today. You are. You're really, you're like that one dumb race that only talks in metaphors. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts about that episode. We're going to have to do a whole episode about that stupid We're going to have to episode. do a whole episode about that episode. I love that episode. Darmac, we'll, let's save it. Darmok and Jalad on Tanagra. <laughs> the worst. Oh, let's, let's, let's save, save it. it. Let's, let's save it because save I got so much to say about that, but I want to watch the episode again so it's really fresh in my mind. Yeah. Erica Champion also writes in, uh, he and Josh are in a conversation right now as we speak. What? Uh, where he says, Wesley was the reason I got into Star Trek. I could relate to a kid since I was a kid, which we discussed. Which is that, that was your point, Charles. Jo nice word. Josh replies, I was so confused when I first heard people voice dislike for Wesley. Eric writes back, this exactly. I think a lot of viewers were older than us when they experienced it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, looking back, Wesley's the worst. But when I was a kid... Well, I didn't think anything about him. You were like, it's fine. Of course. Naturally. Yeah. That's right. And you know, listen, my mother made me wear all kinds of horrible sweaters. And I didn't know any better. <laughs> we can't hold the chunky knits in season one against Wesley as much as we'd like to. That sort of burnt umber sweater vomit that he wears in one of those yeah. episodes it's like yeah. he looks like he's like a refugee from planet joanne's crafts but you know what i mean sure like he knitted it out of his own desperation to escape the craft planet <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it is boy they were so firmly in the 80s at that when that show started like they started working on it probably in 85 86 it's so yeah. dead set on like man i'm I am surprised and happy Jordy's visor wasn't those sunglasses that had like two different <laughs> geometric uh, shapes. Those asymmetrical. Yeah, I'm so glad that didn't happen. <laughs> the future's so bright, you gotta wear visors, is really the message of Jordy. Tell me something, kind of. You're a woman, right? Yes, I can tell you I'm a woman. What is it that you want in a man? You mean me personally? As a woman. What's the first thing you look at? His head. Megan. Yes, Charles. What are we talking about today? Let's talk about doppelgangers. Episodes where uh, characters either had twin brothers or evil twin siblings or were somehow replicated, maybe by a transporter accident yeah. eight years ago. Yep. I I'm thinking, it. of course, of Thomas Riker, Will Riker's twin brother that was created from a transporter accident. Which you know, like, I can't believe that's the only transporter accident. In early transporter days, do you suppose they just had, like, 
deformed clones popping off left and right. Must have. They're like, we're going to, like, like the whatever the equivalent of Thomas Edison was, back who, who invented the transport, like the transporter's version of Thomas Edison, you know? Uh-huh. Like, how many, like, malformed Thomas Edisons are there running around <laughs> being like Bleh! like their organs on their inside on the outsides of their body or they're like their head is stapled to their patella or something like that and they're like Bleh! your experiment failed and then they die in a big puddle kill of like me. genetic tissue yes <laughs> kill me I was not meant for life. <clears throat> and then it dies. They did a really good job laying the pipe of that episode of being like, here's why this happened, and it's crazy, but it did. And uh, it bounced up into the storm, and it blah, 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 blah. Here's one of my favorite things about this episode, is that it uh, showcases what I think Star Trek Next Generation is so stinking good at when it's good, which is balancing all of the world-building sci-fi stuff with actual character development. Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, like, all the exposition about how the science works is only interesting intellectually. But, like, really, who cares? Just right. transport accident, here's how, stop thinking about how it works, let's focus on the characters. Right? It gets yep. right to the meat, and we get to see Will being, like, a jackass. Like, I never realized Will Riker was such a jackass until you meet his much cooler brother. And then you're like, oh, mm. he kind of got a stick up the old was. Yeah. Will, well, who knew? If you survive a uh, transporter malfunction on a storm planet, maybe that does that to you. You think you're invincible, and you're like, what do I ca- I don't need a relationship with my hot <laughs> girlfriend who's half Beta Zed. I'm going to be career no. all the way. That was a really good touch. They, they separated the Rikers at a really good time, where Troy has got to be dealt with. You know, y- young Riker. What was his name? Thomas Riker? Huh. Yeah, Thomas. They, he just was like, oh, let's get back into it. Yeah, um, and and Troy was like, I don't know about that. Like, she, like, I like the yeah. fact that she wasn't like, hooray! Yeah. Like, it, it took some doing. Of all of the romantic entanglements that happened, like we talked about last week with Crusher and the the, the worm guy. The Trill. Who turned mm-hmm. into Riker. Yeah, the Trill who turned into Riker. Uh, this is way, that's so much more entangled because it's the same person. But different. Yeah. So you've had all these things. Oh boy. I can't imagine. I have to imagine though that the any younger version of me has got to be ultimately uh, more attractive. And I don't mean just like physically attractive. I just mean like when you're younger, like you know less, and therefore you're more optimistic. I don't know. I would much rather get into a relationship with younger me than current me. What if you, what if a young Christopher showed back up on your doorstep? Oh, we would bone in a heartbeat. Yeah. He was, yeah, my husband when he was young, I mean, he's still beautiful, but he was crazy beautiful when we met. He was all surfer blonde and like, hi, hello. <laughs> like dimpled chin, like he had everything going on. Yeah, that would be, a, how sad is it that my fantasy is my past reality? That's not sad at all. That's, that's a, pretty awesome. That's actually. a touching tribute to the. It is a touching tribute to the waterfalls of your shared love. <laughs> <laughs> Would modern day Chris care if you boned young Chris? Hmm, that's a good question. And since he doesn't listen to this podcast, we'll probably never know the answer. Um, I'm guessing, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he would care. I think it would bother him a little bit. He'd be like, what's wrong with current Chris? 
what, what my chopped Ooh. liver? I think it would bother him a little bit. He's very All sensitive. Right. All right. Um, but if he boned past <laughs> Megan, I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. What if? Here's what Teacher I think is going to happen. Teacher the ways of love. He is secretly listening to this podcast. He's going to bleach his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and get an Ocean Pacific shirt and I show up at your house one day with flowers. He shouldn't bleach his hair. Chris, if you're listening, please don't bleach your hair. I'm afraid the rest of it would fall out. <laughs> don't do it. Oh, Just boo. hold on to what you have. No, don't mm. do it. It's not worth it. You're beautiful just the way you are. That is my message. Let's all embrace the... That's the that's the point of that Riker episode, is that time changes you, and you're a different person, and you just need to embrace that. Right. How about you, Charlie? Do you think that Lauren would uh, want to get it on with the eight years younger version of you? Eight years? So when we well, first yeah. met... Yeah, sure. um, that's what it would. Yeah. That's what that's what Riker's so. timeline. Eight years. I hope ago. so. I, I know I was never bleach blonde and a surf <laughs> model, but you know I, you know I had my had my moments. Yeah, I think so. And I so, don't think, I think Lauren would say that she wouldn't care. That if if you, mm. she wouldn't care if you got it on with mm-hmm. past Lauren. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's very she's very cool. Very yeah, she's that. forward. She's progressive. And She's... I wouldn't care if she got it on with younger me. Oh, that's nice. That's a good match. In fact, if you're current, tri- current you and Lauren should get together with past you and Lauren, and then you could all swing. <laughs> Hello, Will. Hmm. Sorry. Will. I never thought I'd see you again. We need to talk. You're on board because of him. No. Commander Riker and I are friends. Close friends, but nothing more. Did they have a they should have really had like a trombone off for Troy's hand. <laughs> like they should have been <laughs> They should have had to play jazz, space jazz on the ten forward furiously for hours until everybody left. I think that's how they should resolve all disputes in the future. A space jazz off. They should have uh, solved measure of a man. <laughs> what Which... if their whole legal system was based on space jazz? You'd like let me. Don't let me get a read. Don't let me get a read. The reads are the worst judges. The temperamental. <laughs> don't let me get a get. Let me let me get a judge with a good embouchure. That's what you would say to yourself before going in front of the court. Oh, I hope I don't get one of those fusion space jazz courts. With the Chick Corea Memorial. Where they think the where they think the justice is between the notes. No, I, I want a Dixieland justice. They gotta keep the party going. Gotta keep the party going in space jazz court. That's what's on the seal. That's what's on the, the seal. It's like a blind lady. Uh, here's where we get our Charlie. Here's where we get our night court crossover. Right? Is in space jazz court. Yeah. It's perfect. Mel, Mel Torme presiding. Perfect. We've oh. we've done it. Uh, if you we have generate any... so many good ideas on this podcast, it's not even funny. 
And I mean that literally. It is not even funny. (laughs) If you have any questions you'd like resolved by the Space Jazz Court, please send them in. Uh, who are... <laughs> no oboes. No oboes. No oboes. Is that supposed to be a question? Because if you were asking me if I liked what you were playing, then the answer is yes. Let's see, who else was a doppelganger? Lore, of course. Data's oh, long-lost yes. brother. The famous Lore. Who's always, like, doing the psych-out on the crew. Like, no, I'm not Lore. I'm Data. I mean, I am Data. And they're all like, you use contraction, wah, wah, and then he gets busted every time. Right. Man, I would have loved Pulaski and Lore to meet. That would be fabulous. Because Pul- it would win the argument. Because Pulaski's whole thing is she's like, I don't think Data is real. He is a machine. And then she would meet Lore and be like, I know Data must be real because Lore is a real pain in my ass. Like, that's how it would solve mm-hmm. the solve the argument. I'll bet Laura and Pulaski would get along because they're both old salts. It's true. I mean, Laura's kind of more of a trickster, I guess, but... Laura is the classic middle child, but there's no older child. That's the problem. Oh, how about that old lady from the end of the show? Uh, Data's mother, who turned out to be an android. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I don't know when she was created or whatever, but... But he's a classic middle child. Well, Data gets this. Data gets that. How come I don't get this? Maybe because it's not being a jerk face, Lore. Why don't you try yeah. some manners, Lore? Thank you for my human qualities, Dr. Soon. Wait. A small payment for your son's misdeeds. I've been hitting season two a little bit. Oh, the one where everybody gets old. That didn't work. Where Pulaski's, everybody's in bad old age makeup. Oh, yeah. You see, okay, I feel like at that point, they're like, we got to redeem Pulaski. So let's make her, like, she's going to sacrifice herself for the people, and that will be heroic, right? But the problem was they they discounted the fact that, by and large, in general, the American public hates old ladies. Like, unless you're Betty White. Pulaski had been a doddering kind of old Betty White type character. That would have been great. I would love to see Pulaski played by Betty White. And she just wants to, like, tell dirty jokes and adopt animals. <laughs> All the ribald banter she could have with Wesley. Oh, let me... He would grow up fast, let me tell you. <laughs> You're not my mom! <laughs> <laughs> I just keep picturing him grinning grinning like an idiot and not, you know, getting sure. any of it. Yeah, and then suddenly realizing it and being like, I have to go to the bathroom, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's telling Jordy about it later on the ho- on the 10 forward. He says, oh, well, she told me to stick the the tricorder somewhere. <laughs> and then Jordy spits out uh, his drink on Data. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. Because Star Trek had an open script submission policy. I would have submitted all this in a heartbeat. I don't think a system like that could work anymore in the post-internet era. I think they would be, it would be uh, too easy to submit a script. They would be inundated. Brandon Braga talks about that in that podcast interview. Um, oh, Brandon. Where, and, it, and it got them sued sometimes. Because people would say like, oh, I said this, I said something I said, like this in my my script, and then you guys used it. And uh, most of the times they would just pay them off. I take back the thing I said about your name being weird, Brandon. I'm sure he was hunching his computer <laughs> monitor when you said that. Well, I just assume he's uh. one of our core listeners. <laughs> Yeah, because why wouldn't you want to hear two people talk about a job that you did 
25 years 25 ago. 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and pick it apart. Uh. Did I have a job 25 years ago? I think I swept the fairground bandstands to raise money for band camp. So Next Generation is his bleachers, and he is you. <laughs> In, In this metaphor. metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yes, yes. Star Trek Next Generation is the equivalent of him sweeping out the fairgrounds bandstand. Uh, <laughs> did you raise enough money for band camp? Well, I went to band camp, so I must have. But so frankly, did, I was a really terrible sweeper. Mission accomplished. Oh, I can relate. I was terrible at it. I never got the memo that you're supposed to work hard at things that you hate. <laughs> Look, I have done everything that everyone has asked of me and more. And how can you know? You haven't even been here. Like, who would go the craziest? If stranded on a planet for eight years, like, who would lose touch with their basic humanity? I think Worf could... He's stalwart enough. He's got enough survival skills. I think he could keep it together, mentally. Well, besides the obvious answer of Wesley, who would just be, like... He would have a novel written and shit on the wall of the cave. Or whatever. <laughs> Wesley would be all the characters from Lord of the Flies in one person. <laughs> Absolutely. He would be his own piggy. I want to say it would be Troy because, you know, she was, she's so used to sensing other people and everything. I think that would be really hard on her. Yeah, that's a good pick. And also in the way that, you know how, like, the craziest people are practicing psychiatrists and psychologists? You know who I'll bet would handle it very well unexpectedly? Barkley. Sure. Well, he's got that rich interior life. He does. He's got technical skills. Um, I'll bet he could make a go of it. And he would be not that much weirder than when he left. Yeah, because Barkley's biggest problem is that he's just afraid to talk to people and have inner exchanges. If anything, stranding him on a planet for eight years might do a world of good for Barkley. Right. He's like, finally, I don't have to make small talk at the space jazz court anymore. And speaking of Tom Riker, there's no way his uniform stays that intact. Like, he's got, he's down to like a loincloth, or like a, his beard is like down to his belly, you know. If he was in a loincloth, they would show the spanks that he was wearing, so that can't be. They have to put him in the full uniform. I really love it when he yells at himself. And they both get the, you're an idiot face. It's great. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> a lot of shade. Oh, nice. As they say. You know, this is a much better way of communicating for you. It's far less confusing than the way you normally speak. Did you come here for something in particular, or just general Riker bashing? Marina Sirtis just tweeted this morning, um, they are trying to get people to support a Captain Worf TV show, I guess created by Michael Dorn. Awesome. And they are trying to send a million cupcakes to CBS to show the fan commitment. Don't you feel bad for the mailroom? Yes. Especially if, what if the person working in the mailroom has like type 2 diabetes? And they're like, oh man, he you're can't, torturing me with these cupcakes. Can't have any of it. That's called having your cake and not eating it ever. Just, just having it and having it taunt you. Uh, I'm sure it would be a good worthwhile endeavor. Best of luck to them. Warriors drink. Hey, here's a question. Why didn't Data ever date a Vulcan? Wouldn't that have been a good match? Interesting. He did go on that one date with that one woman. What was it? Did she lose her fiancé or something? And then Data comforted her? And then she started dating 
him, and they were a couple. Um, but then ultimately, she was like, "Oh, there's you're incapable of love, and this relationship is a sham, and I'm making a fool of myself." I don't know about the fiance part of it, but um, I know I remember that Data dated the girl who was like kind of a mess. Like she was portrayed as like, yeah. a, ah, I don't know, I'm bad at love, therefore I'm dating this android. <laughs> Which, I mean, who hasn't? Sure. Who hasn't dated an android thinking that was going to solve your problems? Only to discover that you're just left with yourself. You're looking in a mirror that has no reflection. Right. That uh, metaphor is breaking down. I think my metaphors are breaking down, Charlie. You've used all your metaphor power. <laughs> the problem was me and my my metaphors got transported and then only I remained and my metaphor powers are stuck somewhere <laughs> for eight years ripening. And she's back. Alright, we did it! Episode 10 in the can. That's right. Uh, can, in this case, is a metaphor for computer. <laughs> Congrats to everybody to making it through to the double digits with us. Uh, yes. We'll, we'll be back next week, I think. Megan is going to work on her metaphor. Work on her, her metaphor whetstone. <laughs> I'm going to get a metaphor cannon. It's like a t-shirt cannon, only it shoots metaphors out. See, just like that one. <laughs> or is it a simile canon? Well, simile is a kind of metaphor, so I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be tricked into that chicanery. Yeah, I almost gotcha. <laughs> um. All right, kids. Well, as always, we're on iTunes. We're on Podbean. We're on everywhere that you get your podcasts. And we're we're on iTunes, and we're on Fleek. High fives, Charlie. Yeah. We did Boom. Uh, so, yeah, tweet us. Write us on your Gmails. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and we'll be back with more. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, man, would we love that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's Set Faces to Fun, episode 10. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. And a request tonight. Nightbird. You waiting for something? I thought if one thing were clear by now, it's that you and I play things a little differently. <laughs>